the Youth Workshop Podcast, episode 19. We find ourselves in these places of irrelevance to culture and irrelevance to transformation because we've just either perpetuated what we've always done or we do stuff that is off in, in the black hole of programming without any context in the transformation and the deepening of our devotion to Jesus. You bring the passion. We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative, and experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Youth Workshop podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us today, wherever you are. Um, We've got an awesome guest on the show and someone I'm excited to have with us. His name is Dr. Pastor Alan Martin. That's right, I got them both in there. Dr. Pastor Alan Martin. He is the teaching pastor for YG Church, which is a vibrant young adult ministry um, of the Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church. Pastor Allen, how are you today? I'm doing great. I send you greetings from the Republic of Texas here in the <laughs> United States. And so we're we're bright and bushy-tailed here this morning and glad to be with you, Luke. Awesome. Why don't you start by telling telling our listeners a bit about, a bit more about yourself? Oh, uh, well, there's there's um I don't know where quite where to start. I'm I'm a pastor here. I used to teach at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary up in Bering Springs, Michigan, but God had this crazy adventure for us, uh, gave us a call here in the middle of Texas, which we didn't really know anyone. Um, but we're here serving with a church, a local church, the Arlington Seventh-day Adventist Church, which has a real vision for next generations and started a worship service about 10 years ago called Younger Generation Church. So YGChurch.com is kind of where you can find out a little bit more about where God's posted us right now. Uh, my wife is a neonatal intensive care nurse, and my daughter is a nursing student at Southern Adventist University on the East Coast here in the States. So tell us, YG Church, you know, a lot of, well, some of us who are listening have seen um, a lot of footage, videos, photos of the, the stuff that's going on down there in Arlington or up there in Arlington, depending where you're listening to this from. What's exciting you most about YG Church? Well, you know, I I have to say this is that um, for maybe about three decades or so, I've been uh, I've been interested in my research in regards to ministry to young younger generations, in particular young adults. And so, when I say young adults, I really mean those that are post high school or secondary ed through the time before they have children. So, post high school through pre parenthood, you've heard all different type of ages for that, um, but. Uh, that's been of interest to me as far as a research topic in my ministry and in my uh, work at the seminary. And so um, I've been watching all different types of churches across across the entire Adventist landscape, uh, the Adventist uh, denominational faith. That's the part of the, the faith community that we're a part of. Um, and I found this, this interesting thing happening in north central Texas with a church, uh, Arlington Church, where they were really empowering next generations to express worship in languages that they understood, um, to reach out to their peers. And so um, so YG Church has been here for um, over 10 years now. We've been here for about a decade. I've had the privilege to be here for the past four or five years. Um, but what really excites me about it 
uh, is the creativity, the the recklessness, <laughs> and the passion of young adults to to deepen their devotion to Jesus. So I I have to say that I'm honored to be along for the ride. Why don't you take us to the beginning of that journey in terms of where did your passion for the younger generations really start? Well, it started when I was a young adult, which was several decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite honestly, Luke, I think that one of the things that really changed the trajectory of my life was older adults that were willing to pour in grace, goodness, and wisdom into me. I, I had the uh, privilege of being a, a, a dormitory student during my academy years, and I had some very formative mentors during that time that really um, believed in me. Um, they invested in regards to uh, sharing me, sharing with me, kind of a passion for ministry, and ultimately introduced me to Christ Jesus. And so, as a result of that, um, starting very early on in my teen years, I've been actively involved in young adult ministry. Um, first off, as a young adult, but uh, now uh, recognizing and valuing what other what other wonderful adults poured into me, I I feel the scriptures encourages us. In fact. Um, uh, admonishes us to do that and uh, be sure to pour the best of who we are into next generations for the sake of his kingdom. All right, so we're lucky to have someone, or we're blessed even, to have someone on the show who was not only has the experience of youth ministry, but has actually spent the time researching it. You're probably the first kind of research expert that we've had on the show. So we're going to take full use of that. And I'm going to ask you straight away, what are the major trends that you are seeing amongst young people that a church that wants to engage with, gener with this generation really needs to take notice of? Well, uh, and I appreciate, you know, Luke, what I w want to say just here, um, kind of on, on, the f on the front of this, this podcast here, mm -hmm. I appreciate your vision to really kind of open source and share what we're learning and um, what's happening across the broad band of ministry landscape for next generations. And so um, what I guess what I would say to you is this, is, I'm, you know, I, I've, we try to formulate in a variety of ways, and it's, it's not anything, how do I say it, not anything innovative or brand new. But as I've watched over the decades, as generations have passed through the gauntlet of these young adult years, whether it's the baby boomers or the Gen Xers or the Millennials, whatever generation has come through, there there are some basic ingredients that are kind of important in order to engage them in such a way that they'll stay engaged with the church through their young adult years and into their formative adult years. And we called. Uh, I, I wrote up a paper with one of my uh, one of my um, my uh, resident assistants or um, graduate assistants um, at the seminary called the ABCs and Ds of young adult relationships. And so I'm going to give that to you quickly and whatever, whatever piques your interest, let's, let's be sure to talk about it. Love it. Let's go. All right. So A is for authenticity. Dr. Uh, Tim Elmore with Growing Leaders based out of Atlanta shared a wonderful little, little, uh, little quote that I, I think is very helpful. As opposed to previous generations, which were interested in the sage on stage, uh, upcoming generations are far more interested in a guide on the side. And so our capability to be authentic and honest with one another in regards to the realities of the Christian walk, the places where we have difficulty, is far more impressive to next generations than the perfect role model that has no blemishes and is a, you know, a kind of like a, 
a person that we put up on a pedestal. They're looking for people that have the real grit of being in the trenches of the Christian walk and what happens beyond the weekend services, what, what occurs in their lives on the mundane Mondays that follow the religious highs of our weekend services. And so I believe it's for, really important for those of us that are in ministry work with Next Generations to be honest, to be, to be real, to be human. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't give um, ministers or ministry leaders the permission to emotionally vomit on, on their young people. Um, I think we do have to have a certain amount of decorum about us, but to the degree that we are authentic and real to them, and we can journey along this, this wonderful uh, experience of the Christian walk with them, it can be of real benefit. So A is for authenticity. B is for belonging. Uh, and the main way that I see belonging happening is that in very early stages, as opposed to leaders simply doing things on their own, they invite young, younger generations, youth and young adults, to get actively involved in different aspects of church life. Um, granted, adults may feel, or ministry leaders with experience may feel, like they could do it better, and they typically would do it better on their own. But the willingness that we have to trust, to risk, to invest and to apprentice someone to come alongside us, something fascinating happens. When I give that young person the capability to, let's take for instance, run the sound booth in the church or get actively involved in social justice or community service within the context of ministry, they begin to believe and feel as if the church is theirs, that they have a purpose in the church. And purpose is so important for these next generations. So A is for authenticity, B is for belonging, C is for compassion. Um, I mentioned a little bit about this, but I found that in addition to whatever we may give in mission offerings, um, and in addition to the ways by which we serve, our, you know, we, we rely on the church to take care of missions overseas, young adults today, our young people today, really want to roll up their sleeves and make a genuine elbow, um, grease, sweat on the brow difference in their communities. So for, for Christian communities or faith communities, churches that are not involved in the, in the needs of their local communities or local neighborhoods, young adults don't really have an interest to be a part of those churches. So A is for authenticity, B is for belonging, C is for compassion, and D is for discipleship. Um, I, I, I truly believe that the, the call of Christ is still the same. He's asking us as believers, as Christ followers, to go and make disciples. Uh, so one of the things that's really important about that is that beyond the things that we do, we, we also have to take notice of how, how we pay attention to what we're becoming. And as we become transformed by, by the renewing of our minds and, and spending ample time in contemplation, uh, worship, prayer, um, considering the life of Christ and allowing to Him to live and transform our hearts from stony hearts to fleshy hearts, um, I believe that that's a crucial element in regards to not just simply doing things for the church, but becoming the church. It requires us to be disciples of Jesus. So A is authenticity, B is belonging, C is compassion, and D is discipleship. I believe churches that invest themselves in the A, B, Cs, and Ds of young adult relationships can not only transform the lives of young adults, but literally can transform the world. I think you've just given us a nice little template for this interview. We're going to we're going to delve into those ABCDs. I love them. I love them. So let's start with A and let's maybe look at a specific 
Ask situation, if you can think of one, where you, Pastor Allen, have dared to be vulnerable to for the sake of authenticity. Can you think of a time when you did that and how that was received by your young people? Yeah, yeah. No, I I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your 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 invitation, Luke, for me to be vulnerable in the midst of your podcast. Uh, <laughs> your 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 great throng of listeners. Wonderful. Thank it's, you it's so much. It's just me and you, Pastor. It's just me and you. <laughs> oh, okay. Good, good. <laughs> Well, this is something that I think is so crucial, especially for those of us that are involved with ministry. Whether you're involved in ministry professionally or you've, you've been called by God to serve in a volunteer capacity to lead young people, um, there's two things that I think are really important and, and, and that I've experienced that need to just happen regularly. And, and one of them that, uh, that, I, that I, I, I actually want to share this with those that are, that are participating with us uh, today and may uh, dial up this podcast in the future is uh, I really... I really want to say I'm sorry. Um, I want to say I'm sorry for the places and the spaces where the church has disappointed you, where the church has hurt you, where the church has been uh, less than satisfactory to what you expected it to be. Now, the reason I say that and the reason why that's, that is a, um, a challenge to say uh, is authentically, it's easy for us to blame the bigger church, you know, the the church with the capital, the church with the capital T in front of T-H-E, you know, the church or that person hurt you or some other church hurt you or it couldn't be us here locally or me as a pastor. But if we're involved in ministry, we have to recognize that even, uh, even uh, the leaders of our church are humans. And one of the greatest difficulties that I see that next generations have is with a church that isn't willing to own up for the places where it's caused hurt or it's caused strife or conflict or even where it's caused, um, you know, greater social ills, whether it's racism or, or um, uh, prejudice. Um, and so because I'm a minister of the church, I have a responsibility, I feel, and maybe not everyone agrees, but I feel I have a responsibility and I make it a point especially as I see the current culture or maybe even my local, my local congregation in the midst of a hurt that I recognize is something that the church has done. As a representative of that church and a part of that organic body uh, to which Christ is the head, um, there have been places that have been very, very difficult where I felt convicted that I needed to say I'm sorry, um, to, to admit admit the places where we've been wrong and even personally where, where I've been at fault as a human being and um, take the initiative to say, uh, I'm sorry. Um, so that's one place I think that, uh, that's been, been, been a place where authenticity has been shared and as opposed to maybe my greatest fears that I would be rejected or I would disappoint people, next generations, our millennial generation, young adults have been very receptive to that and, and been very gracious to, to forgive and, and to reconcile with me and with the church as a result of these, these uh, um, confessions that I've made from the pulpit or personally. Uh, another area that I think um, I, I've experienced some vulnerability, and I speak from my pastoral perspective on this one here, um, there's got to be some places where, you know, I, I, have, to be, I have to be honest and, and say three very difficult words. Um, I have to admit, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and and you just peeked inside of my my uh, office here, you know, on on the sky, <laughs> and you you just made a little quip about all these books behind me because I have literally what, what looks like a library in behind. Literally, ladies and gentlemen, I thought I had interrupted um, past Alan in the library, um, and I was about to reschedule, and then I realized no, it was actually his office. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So, you know, uh, my sister has a, a problem with a, a, a women's shoes addiction and us seminary professors, we have our issues in regards to wanting more and more books. So, so it's easy. It's easy to fall into this kind of assumption um, or this persona that we know everything, that we've got everything figured out. And I, um, I've, uh, I've actually found it very liberating to be able to tell my congregation from time to time, Especially in the midst of Q and A, or even here in, in my 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 office, which may give the the fake impression that I know all things, that there are things that I don't know. Um, there are things that I'm learning. That there is places where we need to journey together. And if indeed we serve an all powerful and all knowing God, to which it is referenced in inspiration, that we'll be learning about His character for the rest of eternity, then we probably need to be honest enough to say that we don't know. Um, so it's been quite liberating to say that. And I think it really affords us that are in ministry to to express and exude an authenticity that maybe next generations, young people have not experienced from the church in the past. Love that. And it's such a timely point as well, because here in the UK, we're, we're on the verge of a uh, general election where um, the the government that will be running the country for the next four to five years will be decided. And I think that young people are are right now very apathetic and very suspicious of um, politics, politicians, um, maybe authority in general. And so even and even when some of some because we had a case last year or over the last four years where a promise was made to the young people specifically that the the tuition fees would not be raised and the the party got into into power and within the first couple of years they had raised the tuition fees and then apologized for raising the tuition fees but the thing was you know, it's, it's about an authentic apology as you say it's not just okay you've apologized um and we, we we kind of know that but as you say it's that real authenticity to it that ca- carries so much weight because i do feel like my generation um, i'm just about part of that gener- the younger generation um i do feel that my generation are quick to forgive <laughs> because we i think we know ourselves that we are in the the, the time of our life where we are making mistakes and yeah. there's nothing that we want more than than to feel that okay you know you've apologized we move on but it has to be that level of authenticity i agree with you one million percent one million percent all right let's move on to b belonging yes and let's talk about the some some practical ways that um arlington church have created an atmosphere where young people feel like they belong well i i uh i i'm just privileged to be a part of what's happening here in arlington texas uh, what younger generation church affords uh, our larger church to do is to build intergenerational relationships. So one of the aspects that is found in the research is that as opposed to you know previous generations, maybe the lauded kind of rule of thumb in regards to their relationship to, to adults was what we used to call the generation gap. I think you've heard of that before, right? Where baby boomers or Gen Xers or previous generations had a clash with the adults 
of their of their time. Interestingly enough, with this group of young people, uh, with the millennials, they actually crave relationships with older adults. Whether it's the status of broken homes or the reality of uh, social media phenomena where they have a lot of shallow relationships and Google-based relationships as opposed to wise relationships and depth relationships, they really want to have good, solid meaningful relationships with older generations. And so at Younger Generation Church, we've, we've endeavored not to just kind of place ourselves in a silo, if you will, of ministry, where mm -hmm. it's just the youth department or it's just the young adult ministry department, and we just associate with young adults, and we do everything with just young adults. And if you're older than a certain age, uh, you don't meet our age demographic that you can get carted at the door. We've really mm -hmm. tried our very best to uh, foster these relationships between generations and have us do the work of um, serving Christ uh, side by side. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter whether whether you're 19 or 90, uh, you can still roll up your sleeves and serve in our food pantry, right? It, it doesn't matter what age you are. There's not an age demographic that is necessary for us to volunteer in ministry capacities or serve our community. And so, um, one of the places where I think uh, our church has really excelled is that there was this young adult that had this crazy idea and said, hey, you know what? We're having this wonderful Easter pageant concert program. To that program, would it be okay if we invited some of the homeless neighbors that we have in the surrounding communities to attend this, this special worship service um, that was brought to our pastor uh, many years ago by a young adult? And the pastor said, why not? And so as part of one of those, you know, one of those large church type programs, whether it's Christmas or Easter or other events that you have in your church, this young adult orchestrated with a couple of agencies that were serving our homeless neighbors for our homeless neighbors to come and join us for that event, to enjoy a meal with us on that particular day. And out of that sprung what we call here at Arlington, the Revive Community Care uh, Program. Uh, so we regularly go out and serve the homeless in a, a park called Unity Park in downtown Fort Worth. We also have a what they call a, a client select food pantry that serves uh, families, hungry families here in North Texas. Uh, and it's a great thing. It's just, it's wonderful. I, I need to tell you a little bit about this. It's where, where our young adults, our older adults, anyone that wants to serve, even our homeless neighbors that, um, that want to serve their, 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 um, their, 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 their neighborhoods and their, and their colleagues, um, they come to our food pantry. They set up this food pantry, but as opposed to where sometimes you go to a food pantry or or a a, a food distribution place, and they just give you kind of a how do I say it uh, a a a a predetermined ba uh, bag of groceries. Yes, Ho uh, families that are are on the margin are needing some help and support. They can come into our food pantry, and they have it set up where families can actually take like a little shopping bag or a shopping cart select out the foods that they need for their family. Um, and so just simply involving young adults in the process of being the compassionate hands and heart and, and, and smile of Jesus and doing that alongside with one another, I think is a great way to create a sense of belonging. Uh, and then I would just add this as a little caveat too, is that in regards to the way that younger generation church operates, is we have a lead team made up of all young adults. 
that are making things happen within the church, and we're interested in them being actively involved in the, all the other teams and committees and boards of the church. But with, with Younger Generation Church, each one of my lead team members has a responsibility in addition to being you know, social coordinator or worship director or music director. In addition to their official church responsibility, as part of our leadership development, each one of my lead team members has a responsibility to be mentoring someone younger than them. And so part of what needs to happen for belonging is that we just we don't just do it uh, for ourselves, but we actually make it a part of our culture that every person in the church probably knows someone that is younger than them, that kind of looks up to them, to whom they can mentor and pour a little bit of God's grace into. And so when we do that, all of a sudden, multiple generations get a sense of belonging because we've included them in what needs to be happening. And obviously, the scripture tells us that there is lots of work to be done but the workers are few. I tell you what, Luke, you may be able to stay up till two o'clock in the morning. I can't do it any longer. So I'm more than happy to pass on many of the different aspects of God's great commission to those that have the stamina to stay up after 1030 at night <laughs> to where the real action is happening. And um, to the degree that we do that, um, they feel like this is they don't. They feel like they don't go to church. That they are the church, and we have a little hashtag that we use here called IMYG to basically say, you know, I don't go to church. I I am the church, and so we use that hashtag here as a way by which to affirm that. You you touched on the the, the magic C word there, um, which I want to look at a bit more, which is culture. Now, what is coming across so strongly in this interview is that you're part of a, a, a team that are that have created an exciting and innovative and a, I guess, productive culture in Arlington. For, for some of our listeners who are struggling within a culture that leaves a lot to be desired, what kind of advice can you give them to start creating a fresh culture or to start to, to get the conversation going? Or, or are they destined to be, to, to basically be stuck within a system or a culture that isn't isn't best yeah that's a that's a very very good question and and unfortunately i i I have two answers to that one of which i don't know if you'll be happy with but um um in my in my three decades almost wow almost four decades of, of of ministry um i've seen kind of this culture clash between what you know what some would say is the older generations and these young upstarts that want to change everything. <laughs> and I, I've literally seen, um, you know, churches um, almost come to verbal blows with one another. Um, and so I've come to this conclusion. So let me start off on the positive side. On the positive side, what what I want to share with you is, um, well, let me give you a website. Um, University.ygchurch.com university.ygchurch, as in youngergenerationchurch.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really believe that, that we need to move from a program-driven church to a mission-driven church. And so, uh, quite honestly, and, and I don't mean this as a disrespect to what we've done, because what we've done is what we've known to do in the past, but I've seen so many of our ministries geared to next generations predominantly focusing in on producing programming. And we hope, you know, we hope that it, by producing programming that we're actually transforming lives. And quite honestly, I, I think that uh, um, that's part of the 
disenfranchisement of next generations is that, well, you're just selling me another program. You're just asking me to consume another event. And so um, I'm really wanting to challenge ministries geared towards next generations to really spend the time, you know, get down in, in, in the bunker and talk through with your leadership, your team about what is your mission? You know, what are you trying to accomplish? So um, at university.ygchurch.com, we've started this thing called YG University, which is basically whatever it is that we've learned, whatever hints in regards to youth ministry, young adult ministry that we've garnered over the past decade, we want to kind of share that open source. Yes, please. <laughs> so, yeah, so one of the things, one of the entries that we have there that we highlight is basically how do you as a ministry to next generations formulate a mission statement? And so if you formulate that mission statement, then you can weigh out is what we're doing, whether it's a program or an event or initiative, does it meet up with our mission statement? And if it doesn't, we got to stop doing it because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. we only get a certain amount of energy. We've got only a certain amount of resources. But too many of our ministries to next generations is just, oh, that sounds like a fun event or, or oh, let's just continue to do AY program because we've been doing it for three decades and there's no longer young people going. <laughs> But let's just keep on doing it because we've always done it, and that's the way that's always done. And we find ourselves in these places of irrelevance to culture and irrelevance to transformation because we've just either perpetuated what we've always done or we do stuff that is off in in the black hole of programming without any context in the transformation and the deepening of our devotion to Jesus. So I really want to encourage folks, you know, you know, uh, in in regards to the context, before you want to ask your your local church or your conference, or whatever your organization of your of your church is to do something, what are you about? What are you looking to accomplish? And and find a way to articulate it that doesn't take a long time. You know, if, if, if you just have a short four-floor elevator ride, can you state your mission by the time you reach the fourth floor of that, uh, of that elevator ride with someone that asks you what your ministry is about? Um, I believe that that's a really crucial element, and you can find out more about those type of things on, on our on our new developed thing called YG University. Uh, so that's the first thing I would share with you is that, you know, we need to move from kind of a program proliferation culture into a mission-driven movement of next generations, okay? Uh, and the second thing I will share with you, because you, 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 you brought it up here in regards to churches that are reluctant or hesitant uh, to let the young people do anything, um, and I'm going to say this with as delicately as I can, Luke, is that there are some congregations, and bless their hearts, they're, they're dedicated souls, but they don't want to have anything to do with young people. They don't want anyone sitting in their pews because they've already self-assigned their pew. Uh, they don't want anyone changing their worship service because they've already established it, and it blesses them, okay? And all they're doing is they're just waiting for the Lord to come, but they don't want anyone to move their cheese, Okay? And so what I, what I want to say quite honestly is that there are some of these congregations that they just are going to calcify and they, they're, if they are still alive when the Lord comes and praise the Lord, um, but some of them will just die as this church is increasingly getting old and not making space for young adults. I believe we've created too much conflict and, how should I say it, ministry whiplash by demanding that they make space for young people when they really don't want to have anything to do with young people. And it's resulted in both the older generations and the younger generations getting hurt. 
And so what I would say, and I, I say this with some some regret, is that there's some churches that just don't want young people, and and there's nothing worse than trying to force yourself upon a congregation that has determined itself determined to itself already that they will not give you space. And so, uh, you know, uh, prevent your own heartache <laughs> yes. by trying trying to move someone's cheese when they say, I want my cheese right, <laughs> don't move it. And then we all of a sudden begin to battle with one another when there's a larger church, a larger world uh, that is in need of light in the midst of darkness. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Pastor. Okay, so we've done A, we've done B, we're now on C, compassion. Yeah, yeah. This one I'm really kind of excited about. And, you know, I mentioned earlier a bit about what's going on in the UK with um, the politics and the political system. And we're seeing images, obviously, through social media and through the Internet of what's going on in Baltimore. Um, we've seen what's going on around um, similar type of issues that have happened in Ferguson and throughout other places in America. So, and I know in America, more so than over here, you have this idea of separation of church and state, and I think it's a big deal for you Americans. I don't know. I could be overstating it, or am I? Um, (laughs) You've got this idea of separation of church and state. Um, So in the midst of that, in the midst of the, the issues that are going on, in the midst of this, the ideals to hold things separate between the church and the state, how does Arlington and how can we um, intercept or intersect that setting, that context where all of these issues are, are happening? Oh, uh, wow. How involved can do you feel we can and should be? Well, well, th- this is, well, thank you first for this wonderfully expansive question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'll sh- and let me share with you some success stories and maybe let's go from there. Yeah, okay. Uh, recently, there was this thing uh, put together by the Adventist Church um, here in San Antonio in preparation for kind of like our worldwide gathering of our church that will be convening here in 2015 this summer here in San Antonio. The, the Adventist Church has actually done this in other cities across the nation, but as we are getting ready to convene all of our friends and neighbors that are Adventists from all around the world for our, our main organizational meeting this summer, um, a group of health professionals put together this thing called Your, Your Best Health Pathway. And basically what they've done in major metropolitan areas is they've said to the mayor, give us a venue where we can give away literally millions of dollars of free health care to those individuals that don't have it. They did it in San Francisco with great, great uh, success and a variety of other cities. And so they came to San Antonio and to the San Antonio mayor and said, you know what, if you'll give us a venue, we're willing to give away millions of dollars of free health care to people that are in need. Um, just care and need. Um, medical, dental, etc. Well, the um, the mayor was a little bit hesitant because she didn't necessarily know a lot about Adventists. And the Adventist organiz- organizers of this event said, talk to the mayor of San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and after they had conferred together, uh, the Adventist church was given the Alamo Dome, which is the largest, one of the largest venues in San Antonio. And over, a, a, just recently, just a couple of couple of weeks ago, um, over uh, you know literally two and a half days, maybe three days at the most, but about two and a half days, they served over six thousand residents of San Antonio, metropolitan San Antonio, with people literally lining up before the break of dawn to receive free med- medical, free dental care, 
There was all kinds of other um, services that were rendered while they were there. Um, I'll tell you this right now. Regardless of your theology, as is being shared in the streets of Baltimore and what has occurred in every pocket of the world where there has been these type of conflicts, um, uh, our young people want to be involved in something that means something. Does that make sense? Completely. If you look at the sociology of it, every major every major social movement had a component of young people that were at the very front lines of making it happen. And uh, I believe we as Christians, regardless of our politics and so forth, we can see a need and we can do our best to be a part of helping fulfill that need, helping to empower someone, helping to give someone a job, helping to get a person to the type of health care that they need. And this is a very scriptural idea, <laughs> right? This is, this is not something that we made up. But whether you're Buddhist or whether you're Southern Baptist, whether you're Adventist, we see needs. And to the degree we're willing to extend the hands and feet of Jesus, us being Christ followers, I believe that um, there's no prohibition in regards to us doing that good. So in my mind, to kind of address this issue, this is the heartbeat of this next generation. If they see a need, they don't need to ask the church for funding. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They can start their own website and they ask their friends to text fund whatever. They'll pour ice buckets of water to create awareness. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't. They have the creativity, the innovativeness, the ingenuity to make such a pow powerful, positive difference in the world. And to the degree that we as a church come alongside what God's doing in these next generations, I see all kinds of compassionate acts making a tremendous difference in the world and the world just taking a moment to pause and and put their hand on their chin and say, hmm, I don't know who they are, what they're about, or who they follow, but they actually just helped that person. They just made a difference in regards to that family. And, that, and to the degree that we do that, we are being the hands and the feet and the smile, the heart of Jesus. Um, and I think it will transform the world. And so compassion is a very big agenda item for young people. And actually, it's where, the place where you get credibility with young people. That They don't care, you know, they don't care your pedigree. They don't really care about your politics. But the, the degree to which you're helping people around them, and better yet, the, way, the degree you're helping their families or maybe their places where they need help and support, um, I think compassion is is the call of empathy in the hearts of Christ followers to engage the world as opposed to just looking up in the sky. And that's kind of what Jesus wanted us to do, kind of his admonitions to us as as he ascended back to his father. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Love it. Okay, we're really cooking with gas today. We're on D. D is for discipleship. And this is an area that I guess recently has become even more apparent to me as being a real a, a real point that can often be missed um i think amongst the young people and from my experience growing up in the church i think it's sometimes discipleship is something that's assumed that because you're coming to church um you are naturally moving along a discipleship pathway but it's only recently through my kind of research and reading where i've come to the point of realizing that we can actually be more intentional with um, our discipleship and one I want to give you a statement now I want to know what you think about this um, do you feel that there's a difference between 
discipleship and membership. Oh yeah, there's there, there's a there's a large difference between discipleship and member membership. That's the <laughs> yeah. short answer. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. <laughs> well, see, part of the challenge is that uh, much like the American Express uh, kind of advertisement slogan, membership has its privileges. Mm. So we've kind of aspired, and I, I recent, recently read a wonderful article out of Relevant Magazine that says that God's not calling us to just simply create converts. He's asking us to make disciples. And so people have come away with this idea, well, I declare Jesus Christ as my Lord. I, I agree with all of your beliefs of your church, and now I'm a member of the church, and all I need to do now is sit around and wait for Jesus to come. And so membership, you know, membership has its privileges, but unfortunately— Membership is not what God called us to to do. So what's Jesus, the difference? What's the sorry to cut you? What's the difference, Alan? What is the difference? What is the difference between discipleship and membership? Surely I'm I'm part of the church. I've been accepted. I come every week. Surely I'm a disciple, no? Well, I it really it really depends because you can be a member and be a disciple. Um, but part of the challenge is, is that if you're truly going to follow Jesus, and it's, it's hard. This is the part that is the hard part of the scriptures that we oftentimes have neglected to share with people. Christ is asking us to carry a cross. And so um, just so that I don't freak people out here, <laughs> I, I usually use, I use this, this word that, that helps people kind of digest this a little bit better. It's that... Discipleship almost sounds like you have to be super spiritual or you have to have a theology degree or something to do. But really, um, what, I, what I see is, is and it works in, in the public sector as well, is, is it's basically this idea of mentorship. Okay, So with the caveat of, of mentorship being done by a Christ follower, I believe that that's really what I would say embodies discipleship. I allow Jesus into my heart. He's transforming my heart, but then he gives me a heart to hurt where he hurts. And so when I begin to empathize with the heart of Jesus and I come alongside people that are willing to discover the life, the bread of life, the, the water of life, the refreshment of Jesus, it doesn't just simply stop at me declaring him as Lord. It means now I begin to fortify their lives by coming alongside them on this journey called the Christian walk. And so, like any good mentor, right, you're not just simply saying, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I'm glad you're here, so forth and so on, just hang out in the house and just play Xbox. That's fine. You know, you're saying, hey, I want to pour into your life. I want to be involved in ways by which I can support you. I want to encourage you, but also I want to challenge you. I want to be, challenge you to be more than who you are, to be what he's asking you and calling you and challenging you to be. And while you do that, you know, consider these things as we, we do life together, iron will sharpen iron. And so not only is the mentee, the protege being transformed, but also there's reverse mentoring happening where the mentor, the disciple that is, is pouring into that next generation, that next, that person uh, is being transformed as well. Uh, we see these wonderful illustrations, right? Moses and Joshua, right? We point to all these different places and spaces in the scripture where someone poured into someone else and God's kingdom expanded and both benefited from this walk together in encouragement because God never intended for man to walk alone. And so in my mind, 
discipleship, uh, for those that are intimidated by that word, is fall in love with Jesus first. You know, you know, don't don't start doing good stuff for the sake of doing good stuff for for your spiritual resume. Fall in, fall in love with Jesus first, and when you fall in love with Jesus, you will hear His word, the the living word of God, the Scriptures, call and beckon you to disciple someone on behalf of the kingdom. In the scriptures, it talks about that all of us as Christ followers were given the ministry of reconciliation. Yes. And so I love the, I kind of love the, the, um, the visual it gives. Christ calls all of his followers into a ministry of reconciliation so that each of us kind of has these responsibilities to reach out to people that don't know Jesus and to be the conduit, the connector between that person that doesn't know Jesus to connect them to Jesus and Jesus reaches out to us who was once orphaned, but now he, through through his ministry, through his blood and his sacrifice, now connects us with his father. So you see almost like this extension cord relationship between us, right, and those that don't know Jesus or have forgotten about Jesus or have neglected Jesus to reach out to them. And we can we connect with them and we're connected to Jesus and Jesus connected to the father. And so we play this very instrumental role. That God create that God, arch- he created the architecture of it, um, that gives us the privilege to be about our Father's business in ways that are tr- life transforming, not only for those that don't know Jesus, but also for us. And you know, um, I'll share this with you, Luke, because I think that this is part of the reason why you're doing this. You have a passion to reach out to people beyond the ones that you know for the sake of the kingdom, right? And you want youth ministers, next generation pastors and and ministry leaders to not just simply do business as usual but to see that business of of um of, of fishing for men and women if you will to be at a certain level of excellence that will reflect the glory of the father right 100 <laughs> so percent it would it would it may it may have been at one time satisfactory for us to say oh well you know what luke's done one season it gives us a certain level of, of excellence and it's reached a certain amount of people so we're done but no, you're continuing to do this because you believe that there's more that needs to be done to expand the kingdom of Christ and to further his fame. And so I believe that discipleship is 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 crucial because for those individuals that do not use their spiritual muscles, much like if you don't work out, those mm-hmm. muscles atrophy. And and maybe you do have a place to sit in the church. But we, but the heart of Jesus in Luke 15, the heart of Jesus cries, cries out for us to seek and save the lost. And so we, we have to be about the Father's business and to see the lives of others and our lives transformed through this process, this ongoing activity called discipleship. Oh, this is some gems you've been dropping today absolutely wonderful stuff this is going to be one of the one of the conversations one of the interviews where um ladies and gentlemen you're going to want to listen to a couple of times because there's been so much great information there um, and maybe just before we close because i can't believe the time has flown by <laughs> but just before we close maybe just give us one last piece of advice like you, if you could just leave us with just what you think is most important for us to remember as we continue to to try to create an impact in the lives of the next generation what is the last piece of advice you'd want to leave with us well wow um you know i I want to first say thank you so very much i'm I'm so honored that you would ask me to participate in in such a great venture here and 
And I, I had a chance to listen to all of your illustrious guests and just honored that you would, you would invite me to join in here. Um, this is what I would offer, Luke, is that I, I do think that there's a really important key here that all of us need, need to understand is that none of us are experts. <laughs> I love, I like the, love the great, great, uh, great, uh, homiletician preacher, Charles Bradford. And he, he quoted it. I, I'm sure he picked it up from somewhere else, but I attribute it to him. He says, I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Mm. <laughs> and part of what I think needs to happen more than it's happening is that we, we need to come alongside each other. And we need, we need to recognize that we are stronger together than we are independent of one another, doing our own thing for the sake of fame or fortune or prestige. Um, and so we're kind of in this learning experiment, this laboratory, if you will, um, but I love how the scriptures talks about us being a, the body of Christ, right? Yes. And how each different part of the body needs each other. And in the wake of the realities, as you mentioned here, in regards to our culture and our world, the places where there's protest and despair and years, if not decades or generations of hatred and animosity, the body of Christ needs to come together. It needs to do the things that only the body of Christ can do. And so I, I, what I would share with you right now is that uh, regardless of your generation, how you were brought up, where you were brought up, whether you're on one continent or the other, I believe now, especially in the world that we live in, that literally is, is a small digital village, um, that we need to do our utmost um, for the sake of his fame. And we need to have collaborative relationships and meet where those meeting points are. So, you know, and I mean, it's going to be a little bit shameless here, but, you know, YGChurch.com is a place where you can find out all about what's going on with YG Church. But I'm going to share this with you, and I'm saying it publicly here on your podcast. Anything that we've got, anything that we know, anything that we can help with, we want to give it to you. You know, if you're a youth worker or youth leader, none of this really belongs to us. And as best as we can without breaking copyright infringements, you know, or whatever, we want to share with you because we know there are so many wonderful, courageous ministry leaders and pastors out there that want to do something for these next generations and, and quite honestly don't know where to start. So to whatever degree we have something, you know, we, you know, in, in, um, in the Internet world, it's called open source, right? Yeah. To whatever degree we have something that you say, you know what, that might work for us. Hey, you know what, take my name off there, take that manuscript, or or if you want the art or whatever, or or you see a series on our Vimeo channel, whatever, whatever it is that we have, it is for the sake of the cause of Christ. And so as we hear, and I'm going to share our mission statement here at YG, our mission statement here at YG is to deepen the devotion of next generations to Jesus. We do that through intimacy with God, which is our worship experiencing community with each other, which is our fellowship, and inspiring those around us with the hope of grace, which is our desire to do evangelism and outreach and community service. And so whatever that we have here, we are now extending it to the worldwide, wonderful, ragtag, motley crew of Christ followers around the world. And we want to learn from you too. And so it's my delight, Luke, that, that you would invite us to be a part of this conversation. And it's important for the body to talk, to commune, to fellowship, and to share resources with one another um, to serve the head, which is Christ. 
So ygchurch.com is kind of where our website is. You can find us on Facebook and other places uh, in the social media landscape. But I hope that this conversation won't end with this podcast. And to whatever degree you have questions or we have conversation and so forth, please let us reason and, and dialogue with one another. Because ultimately, our desire is to see not anyone be lost. I'd end with this and then certainly whatever, whatever comments you would have. Luke, Luke 15, which is a great, you know, you have a great first name there, so Luke. It's a great book. It's probably the best book in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Luke 15, it reminds me kind of what my mother used to do. Anything that was important to my mom, she'd repeat multiple times, not because we're deaf, but because it was important to her. And in the same way that my mother taught me the very best of Jesus, I hear Jesus three times over telling us what was really important to him. And it was important to him, regardless of where our churches are, regardless of what we're doing for the sake of of religion, he told us over and over again, it's important that you go and seek and save the lost. And whenever you do that, whenever you bring someone home, a party's going to break out. And um, I just, I just hope and pray that in the midst of all of our efforts, that we will see our endeavors here deepen the devotion of all of us to Jesus. But ultimately, as as kind of our mission, unimpossible, that we. We go out to seek and save those that are lost. Pastor Alan Martin, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for being so generous, not only with your time, but with your resources and, and with your knowledge. And um, we're going to stay in contact. I know, I know that's for sure. And with all the links that you've mentioned, we're going to link that up on our on our soon to come website. And yes, we'll, link, yes. we'll link that up on our on our social media and um, really try and connect you with the people who, who would really benefit from your help. So thank you so much for your time today, Pastor. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate the time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Youth Workshop Podcast. Don't forget to head on over to iTunes where you can subscribe to the show so you will never miss an episode. For your free copy of my book on your Marks and Beginner's Guide to Youth Ministry, head to www.theyouthworkshop.com forward slash marchbaby. Wow, are you in the library by any chance? <laughs> you got you got you gotta go ahead and make fun, is that what you <laughs> Yeah, that's seminary professors, we've got our own problems. <laughs>